Welcome back to the Higher Gear CIO podcast series. I'm Kelly Kierens, president of Celtic QA Solutions. In this part of our series, Walt Carter and Lee Ellis will continue their conversation on culture and not walking past a problem. That's one, that's one thing the chiefs, the chief master sergeants in the Air Force don't ever walk past a problem. <laughs> you move toward it. You don't turn away from it. Don't turn your head and go the other way. You see a problem, you move toward it and address it, work it, work it out so you understand what the problem is and take care of it. Because if you don't, it's gonna circle back around and it'll be bigger when you, by the time you get back around too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I wanna ask you too, you know, I know that, you know, that the POW experience, uh, you know, I believe, I, I, I can't help but believe that it helped you in a particular area that, that, you know, fortunately, most of us real, you know, the, the current crop of leaders in the, in the IT community never had to go through anything like what you did. But, but what I'm trying to get at is I know that when an officer or, or one of the enlisted guys in the POW camps caved a little bit to the tactics of, of the guys that were holding you prisoner, uh, you know, and they, they felt ashamed and they felt like they had dropped the ball for the team, for the country. Uh, I know you guys had a particular way of extending grace and mercy and welcoming mm-hmm. them back in and say, hey, you know what? You did the best you could. No. You, know, you Mike wicketed them, in, you know, in my, my expression. Like, hey, you, you, if you could have done better, you'd have done better. Uh, so you, and I think that's a valuable part of leadership. Leadership is also knowing when to 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 extend the grace, to extend the mercy, uh-huh. and to help them recover right from something that that they could learn from. Oh yeah, well, um, you know that that particular group. We we're all warriors. We were combat trained. We were in the military for a reason. Uh, everybody in our group up there was a volunteer because we we're all air crews. And uh, so on a bell curve, a normal distribution curve, our group would have been probably uh, skewed a little bit toward the courage, strong courage side, okay? For the normal population, we would have been a little bit more courageous. But even within that, there was a big range of courage because some people are just tougher. Some people are mentally and physically tougher. And we learned that. And so we knew that guys, if they had the right attitude, they're refusing to cooperate with the enemy and they put up a fight to resist them, then we accepted that because we knew they were doing their best. And then we encouraged them and said, man, we're proud of you, great job. And there were, there were a few guys that got shot down uh, uh, in 68, just before the bombing pause. And we didn't have anybody, new people up there for a while, but they put some of those guys in with a couple of senior guys that were collaborating. And so they didn't know what was going on. And they saw these guys acting a certain way. And and it kind of implied that this is the way we're doing it up here. So some of them kind of went along. They didn't feel safe about it, but they, we had a senior officer in charge and I'm supposed to follow him. Well, some of them started to pull away, but uh, once we got all together in a big camp, uh, the it was made clear what the expectations were to that group, and then our senior leadership offered them a repent a chance to repent and come back into the fold and say, if you commit to following the code of conduct, doing the best you can like we are, and supporting us, being loyal to your teammates and our country, then we will 
forgive you and welcome you back with open arms. And all of them did, but two. And they stayed on the outside. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it was. But the others, we welcome back and they, they're still part of our organization, most of them, the ones that want to be. Some of them are still probably a little shamed and they didn't stay with us in our reunions and things like that. But we've welcomed them back and, and, and tried to be supportive of them. Yeah, and, and that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I feel like in a way that's, that's another, it, it takes the same kind of courage to trust somebody that's obviously, obviously failed themselves, right? And in, in a way, right? Uh, that's, that's a way of looking at it. It's like accountability on one side, but it's accountability on the other side as well, right? To, to yeah, it is. And so that's all part, we talked about the culture early. This is all part of the culture. It's the culture that is straight up and down, you know? We, we deal with people straight up and down. We expect the best out of you. If you don't, we're going to let you know uh, if, you know, but we also know that not everybody, if I'm the leader, there's not everybody that can do what I can do. Okay. There's some that can do some things a whole lot better than I can do, but there's certain things that there may not be anybody on the whole team that can do as well as I do. Well, I can't expect them to be as good as I am in that. Okay. I got to give them some space. But I also got to help them develop. And when they get better than me, I got to celebrate. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's my goal is that they'll get better than me. So uh, I just think it's important to have that kind of a culture where it's open, transparent, straight up and down. You know where the boundaries are. And then the leader sets the example up front. See, that's what our leaders did in the POW camp. They set the example of courageous resistance. Uh, living by the code of conduct and uh, their loyalty, their example just really inspired us. We want to be more like them. And that made a huge difference. And I think for the CIO, I think people are watching you. And when you do that, uh, you're going to inspire your people to try to keep up with you. And uh, especially if you believe in them and they know you care about them. Yeah. And, you know, that, that uh, gentleman that was my wing commander, uh, at, at Minot, that the that the turnaround guy, the turnaround guy, his name was Politi, uh, John Politi, and he's great, great human being and uh, great leader. He he encapsulated his leadership philosophy for the philosophy for me uh, not too long ago, and he said it this way. He said, you know, it, it really boils down to just four words: well, love them and then lead them. Mm-hmm. He said, and some of them are going to make it hard for you to love them. But yeah. you got to find it in yourself to love them anyway, yeah. because if you can't love them, you shouldn't be leading them. Yeah. And um, and I know that sounds odd to the guys out there that are listening, you know, about a military experience. But I think that's true of any experience of leadership. It, you really do need to think in your heart. I think leadership is a heart thing. It's not really a head thing. Uh, there's 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 stuff we have to think about and there has, there's a lot of strategies and tactics that we can deploy to, to get our, our mission accomplished. But, but the real part of leadership that, that has always been, you know, the mystery, if you will, is how do I engage the heart? How do I get my heart all the way in it as the leader? And then how do I engage the hearts of the people that are following me so we get this mission done? And I think that's a that's a bigger conversation, but I'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah, it really goes back to the character and values of the leader. See, if he values in general people, 
and believes in people in general, that people are valuable, and he's not totally self-centered and totally concerned about him, him, himself or herself, then that's the overriding factor he can do that. But some people, by their natural behavior, it's very difficult for them to connect with somebody's heart and make them feel loved and wanted and appreciated, okay? It's, I'm, I coach, I get paid good money to coach tough leaders on, who have good values, who are strong in the Judeo-Christian perspective, and uh, West Point graduates, Harvard MBA, they're really good people, but they don't have any talents for connecting with people. And so they have to adapt their behavior. Some of them I've even had make up a spreadsheet, put their people's name across the top and what they need to get to know by, what can they do with them down here on the other side, left side, to check it off so they can actually go out and do some things to connect with people and let them know I appreciate them. So they're task oriented, so I gave them a task. And after a while, they start to see the value of it. They start to appreciate it and it becomes less threatening to them. I've even had them get in front of the mirror and practice saying three sentences that they could go down the hall and say to somebody, hey, you know that, uh, that event you put on two weeks ago, you, you did a great job. You and your team did a great job. We had a great time. We accomplished our goals. Everybody enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And then turn around, walk out. Okay. That felt so uncomfortable to this person to do that, that I had them practice it. So I said, you just, you got to pump yourself up with some enthusiasm. That's way beyond. You feel like, I don't know if you've ever been on radio or not, but when you're on radio, you're behind a mic. You got you to gotta get some um, enthusiasm. You got to get some emphasis in there. Otherwise, you're going to sound like, nah, 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 nah. so you got to get some energy into it. And I said, you got to pump yourself up till, the, till you're feeling very uncomfortable, like you're a fool, and then you're about right. <laughs> so it's a natural thing. I really can identify with what you're saying there, Lee, because I, you know, I, I, one, you know, I did grow up in the military. My dad was a, a master sergeant when he retired from, from the U S air force. Uh, and my dad was a man of few words. Uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, I did not know until after he died many years after he died, that I was his favorite child. Um, no, I, it, that never would have occurred to me, uh, based on any kind of expression from my father. Uh, right. You know, and, um, again, you know, great guy, really great guy. My dad was a great guy and, uh, you know, and yet it, he didn't know how to express himself that way. And, uh, you know, in his family, you know, they didn't really, um, for me then as a, as a leader, you know, I had to, I had to take on that same kind of learning that you're recommending for, for your clients, which is I had to learn how to say thank you. And I had to learn how to be appreciative. And I had to learn how to actually say out loud that I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, right. And not just go, yeah, they're doing their job. What the heck. Right. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, but that, that's another, you know, key skill. Uh, I think I, I recommend a book a lot. It's older. It's an older book, uh, by a gentleman named Les Giblin called how to have confidence and power in dealing with people. I think he wrote it in 1953 or something like that. Huh. Wow. Uh, but, but, but the, the, the real takeaway for the book was you gotta, you gotta acknowledge people don't ignore them. Cause that pisses everybody off. Uh, I don't know if I can say that on a podcast, but I just did. Um, and then, you know, you gotta accept them for who they are, where they are. That's kind of that Mike Wicket thing, right? You know, I gotta just, I can't, I can't, 
you're not some fantasy that just walked in that you know can be whatever I want you to be or need you to be. Right. You're whoever you are with all your baggage. And then the last thing is the another A, appreciate. I got to find something to appreciate or to like about you. The more I can do that, the more you'll like me back, right? It's kind of like that trust extension that we talked about before. And so that triple A method, right? You know, acknowledge, accept, and appreciate is that's been the biggest help for me from a soft skills leader perspective. Uh, you know, I, I worked for a guy, uh, a Lieutenant Colonel uh, that, uh, you know, used to make my life hell, uh, to be honest with you. Because if I walked down the hallway and, I, and he was walking toward me, if I didn't acknowledge him, he would yell at me in the hallway. You, you arrogant Lieutenant. Think you're too good to speak to the colonel walking through the hall, <laughs> right? You know, and if I acknowledged him, I got the same kind of stuff. Who the heck are you, lieutenant? You shouldn't even be addressing me. I'm a lieutenant colonel, right? You know, and he was just messing with me. I mean, truthfully, he thought he was, was a drill instructor. He thought he was a drill instructor in boot camp. You know, he was he was out of bounds. <laughs> Well, he was he was a wild man in a lot of ways, but he he did get good results. But he he kept me off off my feet. I, I was never, I never knew quite where I stood with that guy, right? Uh, you know, and and that's a that's a tough place to be when you're following somebody. I think I think yeah. You know, one of my goals as a leader, and you you check me on this, is I want my people to know how I think and what I think and what I'm likely to think about whatever problem they're wrestling with. I don't want them guessing. I don't want them feeling like they're unstable like I was with that guy. I want them to go, yeah, here's what I think Walt's going to do. Yeah. And so here's what I need to do right now in, in anticipation of that. I want to be as predictable as I can be as a leader yeah. so that they'll know how to how to work without me being there, without without me actively guiding or managing. I need to I need to have them know how I think about stuff. Exactly. You know, one of the things that came to mind, uh, I have a three minute and 15 second video of Dr. Richard Boyatzis. He's a Harvard uh, PhD in psychology and uh, specifically related to leadership and behavior, human behavior. He's a brilliant guy. He was in NASA. He's a graduate of MIT and he wanted to be a, in NASA, but he got over there and they put him to doing some slow, dumb business. He just got turned off and his boss said one day to him, you know, this is a great example of what a boss can do. He said, Richard, you know what? I think you have great talent and I don't think it's right here. I think you ought to go to Harvard and get a PhD in psychology and really be able to help you. And he did, and he's famous now. I mean, well, he's got a, 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 a video online, three minutes and 15 seconds, and I'll send you the link to it, where he talks about the brain scans and how they show that there's two major networks in the brain. One is the task focus network, and the other one is social network. And mm -hmm. what they've shown is with brain scans that you can't have that, both of them activated at the same time. If the task focus, if you're solving a problem, and this is what they teach in, in business school, in most places they teach you how to solve a problem. Well, when you're solving a problem, you're on a task and your ability to think about people is shrinks, just shrinks away. And when you're, engage with people, your ability to work a problem starts to shrink away. It's hard to do both, but you can switch back and forth very quickly. And so the real leaders learned how to switch back and forth between solving the problem and getting the task done and being tough 
to write back to being kind and interested in you and developing you and caring about you and listening to you, bing, bing, back and forth. That takes a secure leader, though. If you're insecure, you won't be able to do that because you'll say, I got to solve this problem. I can't do that. I got to solve this problem. But when you're secure and you learn this and you see that, I'd really recommend that your folks watch that three minute and 15 second video because the brain scans, the brain MRI brain of the brain, they show what happens in these networks in the brain. And it is so powerful because I have been working with human behavior for 30 years, measuring people's human, their natural DNA talent. And I know that some people are born one way, 40% are born toward tasks and results and mission, and 40% are born towards relationships and social and people. But to be a great leader, you got to do both. And there's a challenge. 20% have some of both. I happen to be part of that 20%, but still under pressure, I go for results and I'll just run right over you. <laughs> if, you know, if, you're in, if, if we're under pressure, uh, I'm really good in a, in a crisis, but if we're in a crisis and you're lollygagging, I'm going to get in your face so quick. You, you're going to say, I thought you were my friend. Well, I am, but get your butt to work, <laughs> you know, and there'll be a hesitation at all. But when it settles down, then I'm going to come back and say, hey, I'm proud of you. You, you jumped to it and you made us successful. But that, so that's a, this is a huge issue in leadership. And I don't care what your role is, whether you're a new supervisor or the CEO, you've got to understand that, consciously be aware that my character is the foundation. I have to accomplish the mission, get results, but I have to take care of my people. And when you do that, you really are building a people culture where people feel valued and important. And when they do, the performance is going to go up. You're going to be a winner. You know, and I, I spend a lot of time thinking about that. I used to I used to tell people all the time that, you know, I was so glad I was in the Air Force and not the Army or the Marines. Uh, you, know, and, you better watch uh, out. Somebody's going to throw their boots at you. Yeah, I, I know I need to be careful here, but, uh, you know, I, I have great respect for those guys. But, but you know, I heard so many leaders uh, through the years, especially, you know, for those that were committing troops to battle. I mean, in the Air Force, we send our pilots out to fight you know they fly fight and win and all the rest of us are support people to be honest with you mm -hmm. uh right you know so it's a different culture right it's not like the marines you know the navy has that same kind of element in their flying squadron the marines do too but you know bottom line is for the rank and file guys you know if you're if you're a ground pounding troop with a with a rifle taking ground whether it's on the beach like a marine or you know on the continent like the army uh -huh. there's a there's an element of the troops are expendable and uh you know and that we we're going to commit you to that beach in normandy for instance and, and most of you ain't going to make it but we got to take it no matter what right and uh you know it, in in i loved so much the the patent movie for instance where he said no it's not your job to die for your country it's your job to kill that other guy for his right, right? You know, and it's my job as your leader, basically, to take care of you, make sure you get back home to mom. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, and I, I always kind of looked at it that way, just kind of the way you just described it. You know, I don't need people if I don't have a mission. And I don't need a mission if I don't have any people to do it, right? If it's just me, I, I, don't, I don't need a title. Mm -hmm. I just need to start getting with it, right? Right. So if I'm a leader of an organization that has both a mission and a people, they're all on the same plank. They're interconnected in such a way that I can never really lose track of that. I, I will confess 
that I'm one of those guys that's more task oriented and not the social oriented. Uh, you know, and that could be, you know, a factor of my upbringing. I don't know, but I know that for me, that's an area that I really had to work hard on to get to, to be able to say thank you and to, yeah. to really appreciate people. Uh, but I recognize that because they're so inseparable, I've got to do both all the time. I can't, I can't just let, you know, my, my task focus or mission focus outweigh the needs of taking care of my people because the people roll off, right? Yeah. If, if, it, if the system is out of balance for too long, people will roll off or the mission will roll off, yeah. right? Exactly. We use a seesaw just, that, just like that. And, and you know, it's, uh, I think a lot of this, we need to remind people, this is about being intentional. This yeah. is about planning. It's not all just right off the cuff. Some of it is, and you grow to be more like that. But I had, in the Air Force, when I was a squadron commander, I had a picture board you know, right here. I didn't have a whiteboard in those days. Now I always have a whiteboard, but I had a picture board. It was like a felt board and I had pictures of all of my direct reports and then the people under them, okay? So I had uh, eight flights, two groups, I mean, two sections with four flights each. So that's eight flights. And each flight had about eight instructor pilots. So that's about 64 instructor pilots, real large squadron. Most flying squadrons are not that big. And I would look at those pictures. I'm a visual person. I would sit there in my desk and I just sit and think. And I look at that picture. How are things going with him? Do I need to touch base with him? Do I need to go by and encourage with him? Do I need to go by and ask a question? And is my gut feeling okay about what's going on over there? If not, I'm gonna call that supervisor in or that, you know, that section commander or flight commander. I'm gonna call him in and say, Well, how do you think things are going over there? And if he says they're going great, I'll say, Well, you know. I just have a little, I have a little uneasy feeling about thus and so. Why don't you check it out and come back and let me know how it's really going? And if he says, well, I think we got a problem over there. And I said, yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. What are you going to do about that? <laughs> What's your plan? <laughs> so if I look at that picture and I just go one by one by one and being intentional, I'm going through kind of a checklist to make sure that I don't forget anybody. I have forgotten somebody. And the flight commander forgot somebody. And I ended up having to send that guy to Leavenworth prison for oh, selling okay. drugs. And um, he got injured in a wreck. And then he wasn't coming to work. He was out. And, all. and we didn't keep tabs on him. You know, that was a big mistake. Mm. And uh, anyway, I, a lot of leaders have a, a, a binder, a three-ring binder with tabs for each of their people. And they keep little notes in there and they get, maybe they got their picture in there. So you, that's where you've been intentional as a leader, because that's really kind of your job. So, you know, I mean, just so you know, Lee, I, I have, I have something similar. I use a tool called MindJet uh, to create little mind maps for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have hundreds of them, uh, but I, uh, I have one in particular that has my whole team on it. Mm -hmm. And I, I do that same kind of thing. I have little pictures in there. Uh, I have personal interest. I have, you know, as much information. It's like a CRM yeah. in a way for my employees. So I just kind of know them. Right. And I, and I do that same thing. I check, I check myself on, am I checking in with them frequently enough? Mm -hmm. Because it, it really is mostly about my ability to help them develop. I've, I've really spent a lot of time over the last few years trying to help people on my team grow past me. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's working great. Uh, I've got several people that have left me and have great jobs, even better than mine. Uh, and I'm so proud of those guys and gals for, for what they've done. 
but at a certain level, I'm just going to going to say this out loud. It's because I spent the time to help them get there. Right. It wasn't, you know, just raw talent. I, and I think for most of us, we need somebody looking out for us. You know, we, we want, we want a relationship with somebody up above us in the food chain that's looking out for us. Yep. That's why we stay there. And when you have that environment, uh, even though they may leave, other people know that's a good place to work. They want to be in there. So it's going to be easy to recruit really good people to come back into your outfit because there, there's a there's a uh, reputation there. There's a, a, a kind of a halo there that says this is a good place to be. I appreciate that. You know, I really appreciate the conversation today, sir. Uh, just more than you know. Uh, let me try to summarize and say that, you know, my takeaways from our conversation today, I think the, the most important thing that I've learned, again, is a reinforcement that as a leader, you need to be intentional about the culture that you're building. And, uh-huh. uh, and that probably the most important job for you as that leader with that intentional culture building in mind is to convey with clarity what your values are, what your values and and the things that you're going to start to uh, appreciate or call out and reward, uh, the things that you're not going to appreciate that that you're going to confront, right? And I think you need to be prepared mentally for that. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the aspects of, of leadership that are really more heart influenced than, than maybe rational or, or logic based, but, but more caring and, uh, empathetic. Uh, is there something that you feel like I missed that, that you would like to add or subtract from this session today, Lee? I guess the only other thing, I would, two things. One is typically in the CIO world, people tend to be more task focused because starting out, you worked a lot with details and that kind of problem solving. Uh, and in in the uh, in technology, you were down there in the weeds and probably, so you may be a little bit more detailed, a little bit more task focused, working alone, that sort of thing. So you probably are gonna have to stretch a little bit on the people side. We talked about that. Uh, I think the uh, the the idea of being intentional, you just said, I think that's really, really big. And uh, growing yourself, grow yourself. Don't just sit there and say, "I'm I, that's as, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to stop right here." If you're learning to, if you're practicing getting better at yourself in, in maybe two areas where you know you need to work, maybe you need to listen more. Uh, maybe you need to develop your people more. Uh, maybe you need to be tougher and confront people more. Whatever it is, work on it and grow. And when you do that, uh, you're going to be a better leader. Other people are going to see, hey, the boss is, the boss is growing too. That's impressive. And, and it draws them to you. Plus, it just makes you more effective. Great. That's great advice, Lee. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being with us today on the Hired Gear CIO podcast. Thank you for joining us for Series 2 on Culture with Walt Carter and Lee Ellis. You are welcome to continue listening to our next series on the Higher Gear CIO podcast. We look forward to having you join us.